Welcome to March 5 Music Podcast. My next guest, musicians, songwriters, producers, arrangers, will talk Hubert Eves IV, Alicia Keys, The Police, and The Rolling Stones. Give it up for David Watson and Daryl Dixon of Chops Farms. All right, I would like to welcome Mr. David Watson and Mr. Daryl Dixon from Chop Songs. How you guys doing? All right, all right, all right. Now, there's something you may not know. <laughs> we, we got little nicknames in between <laughs> our names. Okay. With a group called LMT Connection from Canada. And um, Leroy, mm-hmm. who, who grew up in Detroit, played with all... I'll let Daryl tell you about that. Okay. But he's a nickname kind of dude. And... <laughs> uh, he gave Daryl, Daryl Cool Notes Dixon. Wow. Because he only plays the cool notes. The cool notes. notes. <laughs> so, so smooth. <laughs> 100 watt. Right. Can't stop. <laughs> Watch. Because you can tell I'm always moved. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you guys, man. It's a pleasure for you to... Um, to come on and and it's a it's a delightful idea to just have you guys talk about your careers and all the mm-hmm. great things that you have done because I just learned a lot not too long ago about what you guys are capable of doing. I know you guys have taken over the music business, but um so let's talk about it, man. What, what if you guys let's just go down the list. Okay. All right. I'm going to start, Daryl. Is that all right? Yeah, that's cool. Man. Okay. <laughs> so what what happens is I think we need to tip our hat to Hubert Eves the fourth because he's the one that hooked us up. Yes, indeed, and brother Hubert. We, yeah, man. And later on, I'll talk to you about he's producing my single. Oh, is he? Um, okay. Yeah, because I had a bucket list thing, mm-hmm. and it's funny because Daryl and I both had bucket list things, but okay. they're totally. Um, I want to do a smooth jazz project, and I want to play flute because there aren't a lot of flute players out there. Ah, okay. And, and tell me what you want to do, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> my goal, um, uh, well, my goal has never been to put out a, a Daryl Dixon CD. Okay. Uh, that part never really interested me, you know. Uh, but something I, I, that I that I've always wanted to do was like songs songs that I like, and I'm a pretty eclectic guy right and so um songs that i like whether they were standard jazz tunes or uh funk tunes mm-hmm. uh that have been recorded i wanted to re-record them and uh and do them my way or the way that i would do them as far as like writing arrangements and, okay. and whatnot and uh and plus plus the fact that i'm also an accomplished drummer also okay you know a lot of people don't even don't even know that and then they're, they're surprised when they hear me play you know uh because i've been playing drums as long as i've been playing saxophone and oh, I, wow. you know and and i wanted to i wanted to uh kind of exercise those exercise those chops and and, and highlight that and you know basically let people know that i you know that i do that right uh, but the stuff that i want to re-record it's not anything that i want to put out it's it's basically for for my own purposes for my own portfolio and it's something that that I always wanted to do because I hear these songs right. and I think, huh, you know, that sounds good. But, you know, if they had done this here and then done this, you know, I think it would have been way better. Well, excuse yes. me, Mr. <laughs> 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 talking about. 
<laughs> well, yeah, there was. Um, well, as far as on the on the standard things, there's like Round Midnight, mm -hmm. uh, Skylark, a uh, West um, uh, uh, Montgomery tune called Four on Six, okay. which is like a trio kind of a thing. Because I used to do gigs gigs years ago with Jimmy McGriff, the okay. jazz organ, and that whole jazz organ trio thing was was a really freeing experience because it 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 it, it opened up a a, a a wide swath of 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 music and freedom. I mean, you know, I mean, not locked into anything. It's it's just you know just freedom to to, to play. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of things that you know in in R and B and pop and 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 funk that you know yeah, you really you can't can't do. can't do. Right, right. Because you, know? you were everybody was handcuffed back then. You know, you had to do yeah. what the label said to do, and you know, you had lawyers and accountants trying to tell musicians how to play. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Alicia, well, we talked with Alicia Keys on and off for seven years, mm -hmm. and um, you know, she had you know horror stories mm. about they tried to do to her when she was younger. Um, but getting back to the tipping our hat thing, right. we also had to tip our hat to Mr. Ray Chu from the Apollo. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, now uh, Ray's doing uh, Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Uh, we just had the pleasure of recording some music for him because he did the uh, Macy's July 4th celebration. Yes, I saw that. Yes. Yeah. You, well, you heard us then. Ah, so gotcha. We were not, you know, we were not privy to, to do the uh, recording. Okay. Uh, I say the live TV broadcast, but we did do a lot of studio stuff. Uh, for those people that don't know, uh, everything on TV shows like that is pre-recorded. Right. You know, and it looks like the people are playing, but they're really not. I'm right. sorry. If I wasn't <laughs> but, you know, but it brings me up to another point with yeah. what they were saying. <laughs> that uh, we, re we recorded um, uh, Undercover of the Night, the album by the Rolling Stones. Oh, okay. Right? We, we, we did. And we did. What was that we did? Uh, I wrote the arrangement for it. it was called, called a tune called "Too Much Blood." Too much blood. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we did the recording and all, but mm -hmm. then, then afterwards, they made a video of the song. Okay. And on the video, they had some other horn players doing, you know, do, doing the, you know, playing playing our parts. And you know, I mean, it, it just begs the question: say, why didn't they ask us to do it? Right. Wait, wait, wait! It gets better. It gets better. <laughs> that mugs didn't even show the horn players. <laughs> In the video, there's shadows. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Are you there's kidding me, man? Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, we got paid yeah. quite well working sure. with the Rolling Stones. Sure. And we were able to have, you know, be able to put that on your resume. Right. Um, And if I could walk you through the house, I could show you a platinum record that I have on the okay. wall. Okay. Wow. The wow. And that's, you know, that that's yeah. priceless. And what was it like working with the Stones? What was it like working with the Stones? Um, well, the way it worked was, um, I went to mix house in, in New York and my car broke down on the way. Okay. Right. So I pulled into this, this beat up parking spot, but mm -hmm. luckily I had enough power to get there. And then I had to jog run like eight blocks. Wow. All right. So I get to his house, I'm drenched and he's got this, uh, brownstone. Mm -hmm. in 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 the i think it was brooklyn and no no i'm sorry it was manhattan okay uh, and very unassuming from outside man mm -hmm. his his butler let me in who was a jamaican weightlifter all right wow. 
this dude, <laughs> like, ain't nobody thought no trouble with him. Right, right. right. <laughs> so I go in, and this mug's got two life-size Greek statues of people. Wow. <laughs> That's how beautiful, and, and a spiral staircase, I don't even know where that led, and part of me didn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> So he lets me go in his bathroom to clean yeah. up or whatever. All the towels have J's on it for Jagger. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, was, it was a little surreal. Wow. But that's how it, it kind of got started. Okay. We got in touch with him through our lawyer. Okay. Uh, at the time, you know, we were doing our first project. Our lawyer knew his lawyer, and his lawyer was talking about, yeah, they're going in to record. And he said, well, if you got the best rock and roll band in the world, you need the best horn section in the world. There you go. Of course, uh, the mother New York cats was supposed to do that session. <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, uh, what was uh, the name of them? You remember? Well, uh, well, from what I understand, um, uh, a group called King Creole and the Coconuts. Yes, I remember them. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Their horn section, they, they were either going to use their horn section or our horn section. But then they heard... But they yeah, and and um and I and I believe it was it was the thing where Mick Jagger heard us when we were with the police with with the first like couple of gigs that we did with the police. He could have been. He might have heard us with the, with the police. And he liked our sound better or, or something like that. But, okay. You know, I mean, they they must have liked us because we we did two Rolling Stones albums and two of Mick Jagger's solo nice. albums. Nice. His first second solo album. So, you know, uh, so they must have liked what they heard. Yeah, so we kind of met, we met through the lawyers. Mm -hmm. uh, I went by his house. Uh, with a small tape recorder, and he played some of the songs, and then he started scatting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot. We were, that's where I want the horns. And, okay. Man, I kept that tape for a long time, man. That tape made <laughs> circles because it was pretty fun. Um, so we write the arrangements. Mm -hmm. We go in, and this is something when you have a certain amount of money and success right. that the average musician, you'll never realize this. Mm -hmm. These dudes cut 28 songs 28 wow 28 songs for an eight song record or nine song record right, right? right. And, and when i say cut i don't mean demo cuts they go into major studios with all the musicians whoever they want right and and you know and they cut all these songs unbelievable so so our average was not that good to get on the record. Mm. He only played on two, I think, two songs, right? Or on, three. On, on, on that and the first one. On, yeah, the first, yeah, it was like, yeah, probably maybe two. I think it was only two songs. Okay. And uh, luckily, Too Much Blood made the record, and that turned out to be one of the singles from the from the album. I, what's it called? Undercover? What was the record called? The album was Undercover of the Night. Undercover of the Night. I and see. It had, okay. It had peel off stickers on the front. I had never mm. seen anything like that. It had this woman and all her private parts had peel off stickers. <laughs> you know them damn rock yeah, and yeah. roll dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that wow. was kinda, that was kind of how it how it worked out. Okay. And on the credits, we put Chops Horns. Okay. Now, another thing for you young musicians out there, you have to be tough skinned if you're in this business. Right. Because you never know the, the turns that are going to happen. Yeah. So we're in the studio and Mick pulls up another song 
and says, you know, I need a, I want a tenor blues solo on this. Okay. Mm. So I'm in there playing. Then he says, no, nah, I'm coming to booth so I can hear you. Okay. So I come in the booth. He's four feet away from my freaking bell mm -hmm. and puts the record on and says, play. Wow. Now I'm 23, 24 years old, maybe 25. Man, I was, excuse my French, but I was, what they say, shitting a brick. <laughs> <laughs> and I was nervous yeah. as hell. So I'm right. playing, I'm playing. He said, oh, okay, go on and, and cut some of that. All right. So I cut it. Right. So the record comes out, mm -hmm. and I'm all excited because I know it's going to say Chops Horns, right. but tennis solo, it's going to say Dave Watson. So, you know, that that's a beautiful thing. Sure. So I get I get the record, I turn it over, and the record does start out with Dave, but the second name is Sanborn. Uh, <laughs> he got Dave Sanborn really? coming in solo. Wow. And man, my heart was broke, but I mean, that's part of the business. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you're working with people on the top, you never know who's going to use what. That's so right. I put the record on, I listen to the solo, and I kid you not. Dave Sanborn made sound effects on his horn. Mm. He didn't play like a blues thing. He was just doing all the sound effect stuff. Right. But Mick like that. So that's what he that's used. That's what he used. Wow. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. So that's my, um, to all you youngins, you know, yeah. stuff happens sometimes, and you got to you gotta kind of roll with the punches, Yeah. you know? Little and then the record we did... Uh -huh. Um, there was a trumpet solo, a muted trumpet solo. Okay. And um, that's the only thing that made the record. You know, all the sort of, yeah, didn't make it. Matter of fact, Dower has a recording of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's crazy because it's uh, it's I, I, at some point they'll put it out. Okay. So back to what I was trying to tell you this story about twenty eight songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to keep me focused, man. Every now and then. The floor, the floor is all yours. You're not, you're not. <laughs> Listen, this is the unlimited edition. <laughs> you know when you go, when you go. Hey, hey, check it out, Dave. When you go on regular TV, right, they give you right. three minutes. They give you three good right. minutes. If you're lucky, you get five. On this, you talk as long as you want, man. Uh, so the floor is yours. <laughs> Let me focus the right So. My point is, yeah. 28 songs, nine songs make the record. Right. If my math is correct, that leaves them with 19, at least 18 or 19 songs in the can that are totally done. Yeah. All right. So let's just hypothesize. <laughs> what if they do that with most, that's the right word, right, D? What if they do that with a... They'll correct me when I'm wrong. What if they do that with 70% of the albums that they cut? And let's just say they don't cut 28. They cut 20 songs and put out 10. Right. What do they do with the rest? They got all these finished songs in the can. Unbelievable. Now, when they when they are gone, right. when they die, and they, they will those, those tapes... To their children? Yeah, the masters, yeah. Yeah. What? Them wow. masters. Folks could be dropping Rolling Stones records ten years from now. Imagine how much that'll be worth when wow. they're gone. I think Bruce Springsteen <laughs> just sold what a hundred million? He got a hundred million for his catalog, I believe it was. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so 
you know, especially that's just that's crazy. Yeah. So that was our our, our uh, Rolling Stones story. But if you want to take take the horn section back, mm -hmm. I think um, Daryl and I are from Jersey. Right. I was. We both met at Jersey City State College, okay. which is um, New Jersey University. New Jersey City, City University. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we met. Right. He was a year or so ahead of me. Uh, and I remember as a senior in high school, me and some of my boys went to hear the jazz band. Because right. we were all musicians thinking we wanted to get into college. And and Daryl was in the band, and I noticed that there happened to be two African Americans in the band. It was Daryl and the trombone player. Okay. So, you know, being of African American descent, I kind of had my eye on the brothers in the band. <laughs> so Daryl plays the killing solo, uh, the trombone player. You know, the band is phenomenal. It, it was run by uh, a guy. We we Dick. said Dick Lowenthal, and you better Dick Lowenthal before he dicks you. He was one. Of, <laughs> he was one of those kind of guys. He wanted an all white band, but if there were black dudes that could really play, right. uh, he would he would take them in the band. What okay. was he was he an outward racist? Uh yes. Now, do I feel bad about talking about that? No. Um, but what I will say is that dude was a recruiting fool. Mm. He would go to all of the high schools around the country okay. and find the best cats and offer them scholarships from Jersey City State. Mm. And he was he was so good at it, <coughs> Manhattan School of Music wound up hiring him. Wow, okay. You know, so yeah. he was good at what he did. Yeah. I, I didn't like him because he never let me in the band. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Daryl played lead, lead out the water. Right. And I went to hear him. I'm a senior in high school. Okay. Uh, so I, I think I might have waited around to meet these guys. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but I do know that's where I wound up. Okay. Uh, now, Daryl was playing with some cats from Philly, Marvin and Melvin, trumpet and trombone player. Mm -hmm. And he was doing small sessions from. Um, uh, indie groups from Philly, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was working for uh, Savoy Records. There I was remember. a producer yeah. there um, that kind of liked me, and it was a gospel label. Yeah. So Daryl was working in both sections. Okay. He was doing the gospel stuff with me, and I used a couple of my buddies from college. Uh, Daryl was writing arrangements, and he would use me when they needed an extra horn on the three-piece horn section mm. from the Philly guys. Uh, first time we got together, got our hands out the music, no articulations. Now, for those of you that don't know, um, on horn music, a lot of times, they put these markings to let you know how long or how short to play the notes. Gotcha. Okay? Um, and basically, the technical term is articulations. All right. Daryl didn't write nah articulation or nothing. So we get together, the four of us, we throw out the music. Mm -hmm. And brother, we articulated the same way. Wow. It was just, it, it, the feel, you know, and singers can appreciate this as well. When you get with a, a little singing group and the right. harmonies just work. Right, Everybody right. 
where to go. So when that happened, I was like, Arr. and this was before we had named ourselves Chops. And um, Daryl made, made me a proposition. He said, look, get rid of your college guys. Mm-hmm. Use, use, use Marvin and Melvin on your gospel sessions. Okay. And I'll use you on all of the, the other stuff that we do. Gotcha. Okay. And that's kind of how Chops was formed. But how did, now, where, where'd the name come from, Chops? That's, that's, you remember? <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, it was it was one of the names that was uh, that was thrown around. I I I threw out the the, the name Chops because there was a group uh, that that the horn section at, at the time. This was back in the day mm-hmm. with, with Chick Corea. The oh, horn wow. section that played with Chick Corea was named Lips. Right. And Lips, ah. and Lips had put out, I think, their own album, their own yeah, record, did like one album. Okay. L I S. That's what they call themselves. Ah. Okay. So. So that brought me to mind. Well, lips, well, chops. You know <laughs> the name is. I love the name though. I love the names. It's a great uh, name. Now, yeah. uh, I have to interject too because mm-hmm. chops was also used by every other musician I knew that could play well. Okay. If you heard just burning guitar player, you say, "Man, he's got chops." Chops, right, right. You know, or yeah. he can. You know, instead of just saying he could play, he said, man, he's got chops. So I felt, hey, if somebody sees chops horns without even hearing us, they're going to say, man, these dudes must be bad. Right. <laughs> and right, right. That up. Now, uh, Milton, Milton Bingham was one of the producers at Savoy Records um, who kind of took us under his wing. Mm-hmm. We went to him with the name and we said, Milton, we, we're going to need a logo. He said, oh, I got a logo guy. All right. So he gets his logo guy, and the guy comes up with the logo. Uh, I don't know if you can. Yeah, I see it. Like, wow. Wow. Right? Nice. That's the original Chops logo. Nice. Uh, the guy didn't charge us a lot, but we paid him for it. Yeah. Ten years later, the guy is seeing his logo everywhere. So he hit me up and said, man, if I knew you guys was going to use the logo like that, I would have charged you for it. <laughs> so that was it. Wow. Yeah. Milton as a boy helped us get a logo, and we haven't looked back since. And we haven't changed the logo or the name since. You shouldn't. I mean, it, it fits, man. It fits. But I got to ask Daryl, my man Daryl Dixon, mm-hmm. tell me about Flashlight. Tell me about that was the time, man. Because I was, let me tell you something real quick before you, before you say anything. I was at the African American Museum in D.C. And I saw, I saw the mothership, man. I think I lost my no. mind when I saw. It. Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a fun. It was a fun gig. Um, uh, I mean, at, at the time, right? Uh, well, okay. Let's put it, let's let's put it like this. Uh-huh. Uh, I first met because me and Fred Wesley, we've been friends for a long time. Okay. And this was before. This was before I formed the horn section. Mm-hmm. All of this. Um, me and that, that that trombone player that Dave was talking about. Yeah. That, you know. That, you know. Me and uh, his name is uh, Clay Lowry, Clarence okay. Lowry, and um, uh, we we did a lot of gigs together, like doing the Chitlin Circuit in Newark, you know, or, you know, doing the clubs and all that stuff. Sure. And so, so we we decided that we wanted to um, we want we 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 wanted to get involved with Parliament, right? So Parliament was do they were doing a a concert at Livingston Livingston College in uh, in in, uh, in Jersey. 
Yeah, Jersey. Yeah. Right. And so, so we said, well, let's let's bogart that concert. Let's, let's <laughs> see who we can see. Right, right. So the day of the concert, we had our had our instruments. We didn't intend to play, but it was the way that we got in because you know they see musicians coming in. You know the security people; they're not going to ask any questions. They see they figure you with the band. Right, right. So we put our instruments and we just hung out around the dressing room. We didn't go in the dressing room. We just stood outside the dressing room and, you know, to see who, you know, see who come in. So the first guy to come in was Fred. Wow. And so, so we said, uh, listen, Fred, uh, you know, I'm Daryl Dixon, Clarence, like you. Uh, listen, we want to be, we want to be heard. That's what we tell you. We, we want to be heard. <laughs> so Fred said, all right, well, I'll tell you what. He says, after, after the show is over, come, come, come backstage. So, that's what we did. We, we we came back, you know. Fred got said, come, coming back in, and there was it, it was in a, it was in a, in the locker room, like in the locker okay. room, I guess. He, and and so Fred sat us down. So we go get sit down. Said well, Fred sat down, right. and he said, um, "All right, well, play." And he just stood there and said, "Play, play something. Let me hear something." So we, he and I, we had plenty of licks because we've been playing in a band. We've been playing together for a long time right. in the band. And we were playing, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Uh, uh, so now he said, "Okay, well, I'll you know I'll, I'll keep in touch." Now nothing right. happened until like a year later when I left. You know, I was done with college, and me and Clarence both went to California. Gotcha. Okay. To uh, kind of get our feet wet in the, in the music business, we right. we were copyists, and we did uh, prepared lead sheets for copyright for A and M and Motown Records. Okay. And so. That's that's what we started doing out there, and uh, and we we you know we uh, started playing with Patrice Russian. We were playing playing in her band. Love Patrice Russian. Love Patrice yeah. Russian. Wow. Yeah, we played. And, and, and matter of fact, it was her first band um, because she had an album out at the time. And this is before she started singing. Mm -hmm. She had an album out called Before the Dawn, uh, and she I mean she was a prodigy, and, and and she I mean I still keep in touch with her. She's 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 a phenomenal talent. Wow. You know, of course, the forget me not thing. She did. She did big bank on that song. Oh yeah, because she started out with jazz as a jazz musician. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. You know, and like and, and like I said before, she started singing, and she was taking singing lessons at this time. You mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we were out in California, and Fred was living in California at that time when when Clarence and I went out there. Okay. And uh, um and like. Clarence, uh, like we were, and you know, me, he and I, we, we played in the Richard Pryor show band out there at NBC and Burbank. And, and, um, uh, well, there's a story behind that. Something like, I actually like young musicians about, about situations like yeah, that. So, yeah. anyway, so, uh, Fred was living out there when we went to California. We got in touch with Fred because we knew he was out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I said, Fred, yeah, yeah, Fred, yeah, Fred, yeah, yeah, how you doing? How y'all doing? Blah, blah, blah. So what happened was I started doing solos. Fred got me in touch with, with George. And so uh, so I started doing uh, uh, solos on on, cer on certain, like, uh, Brides of Funkenstein tunes that hadn't been out. He hadn't put them out yet. I mean, br the Brides weren't out yet, but he wow. was recording tunes. So I, I played on a couple of, you know, trombipulation and, and do some some solo stuff, you know, just right. some solo, solo things. Now, when Bootsy, when Bootsy came out, Bootsy was opening shows for Parliament. 
And Bootsy was using the same horn section, which was Fred and Maceo and Cush Griffith okay. and Rick Gardner, right? And so, so now Bootsy, when he was go, had to go and do his own tour, I mean, you know, he he had there, there's another horn section that had to be gotten, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Fred, you know, so Fred said, you know, uh, said, well, how about you know, you you know you you know you and Clarence, you know you 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 want to do the gig. So he said, yeah, you know, I said, yeah, you know, because right. that's that's what we have been wanting to do all along, you know, when we contacted him a year ago. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So, so we started, play, you know, we, we start we started doing that. And it, it was, you know, I mean, it, 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 it was a fun gig now, and we were recording the album at the same time we were on the road. So it was really hectic because mm -hmm. on days off when we weren't playing on the road, we flew into Detroit to record the album. Ah, I see. You know, George would uh, bring in whoever he needed at the you know for a particular session right. you know that's who you know that's who we bring in on the on the days off so it was it was so it was really it was really hectic and in flashlight i mean i played i played throughout the entire song you played on flashlight yeah, yeah. come on man oh, I, I, played, <laughs> I love I, that song that was a great oh, song man great yeah, song yeah, yeah yeah and you know and george he's one of those guys he he never he never presses he, he's always recording Mm -hmm. From the first, from the first doodling that you play until you until the end of the session, he never turns it off. Okay, because you know, because certain magic things happen sometimes with stuff yeah, that you yeah. you right. know that you don't know. You know. Sure. So he, he so he, he does that. So anyway, I played from the top of the song to the bottom of the song, and and just like when Dave was talking about what happens in the cutting room, right? Only there's only of of, of, of from the top to the bottom. They only they only use like maybe. Five, six bars of my solo. No, mm. <laughs> he's, being, he's being modest, Dave. <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you something. Uh -huh. I tell you something. Okay. That eight to ten measures. You know, I've gotten a lot of play from that. I mean, I still get residual checks from it. Okay. But I now, but see, but the way that the music business is, look, uh, unfortunately, with the financial situation of the way that George operates, you know, I mean, we didn't get paid for any of those sessions. Right. I mean, I was making two hundred seventy-five dollars a week. Wow. Right, mm, yep. thirty five a week, and you know you're not not getting paid for anything extra, uh, but but um, I've made I've made more money from the residual checks than than for doing the session. Incredible, <laughs> it's incredible. But, <laughs> but yeah, and, and I mean, uh, George, he might have he might have tried to, well, George, he couldn't escape couldn't escape the union on a song like that, yeah. and plus plus the fact. It was Casablanca Records, and Casablanca was a signatory of the union. So, yeah, you know, but anyway, that and but that's that's you know that's how that that flashlight situation. Amazing. You know, it, they only used the last part of it. That reminds me of a Rolling Stone session <clears throat> where um, Daryl wrote these flying horns, and Mick was in the studio going crazy. Oh, I love it! <laughs> and we were all happy. Because we said, you know what? This is going to change their sound. And they're going to need horns on the next tour. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Record comes out. Intro. Yeah, they took the intro of the horns out. Okay. All right. All right. Get to the verse. A little something. That ain't in there either. Okay. Then we get to the chorus. And the horns are still not in. Right. Now, I'm saying, man, don't tell me they cut everything. <laughs> so you get through the whole song. Yeah. You get in the vamp. The vamp starts, no horns. 
Then the horns come in, and that's when they start to fade. So you hear, we were only in the fade. Wow. And that was like, not now, what, 15 seconds okay. in that? Mm. And the horns were killing, but you only got 15 seconds of it. Yeah. Okay. So because of that, um, I said, you know what? I had made friends with one of the girls that work in the office. And that's something else, you guys. When when you when you're trying to break into the business and do certain things, don't always think about the artist. Like, oh, I want to work with Alicia Keys. I, I gotta get to her. How can I find her? Right. Wait a minute. <laughs> you need to find a musical director. That's right. Who who who, who does the stuff who puts our music together for tour. Right. You need to find maybe her copyist or her hairdresser or, you know, yeah. somebody else that they know and befriend them. Right. Just don't be begging, you know, become friends with them. Absolutely. Now, yeah. at, at Rolling Stones Records, um, one of the secretaries' name was Rose. Okay. So I'd go by and visit, and yeah, it was corny, but I'd bring her a single Rose you know, I go out and get a coffee and we we would just sit and, and talk. You know, I wasn't right. asking for nothing. Sure. I just became a friend. And that's the other thing. You know, you don't you don't have to ask people for work. You have to they need to know who you are, right. know what you play, and like you. Right. And usually sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. All right. So they finished the record. I call up Rose. Rose, what's going on? She said, um, I forget the guy's name, but whoever does puts their stuff together. She said, okay. so-and-so didn't call you? I said, what? He said, because uh, they're starting rehearsal next week, and they got horns. I said, what? <laughs> the next day, I'm watching the news on TV. Right. They're talking about the upcoming Rolling Stones tour, and they had four or five horn players back there. And I'm hearing the horns, and you know, they're playing our parts. Right. I cry a real tear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like, what is this? <laughs> you know, I got, Rose, I got to Rose too late. Ah, if I, I would have called them three weeks in advance and she said oh yeah they, they're starting to get the horns together oh, well who do i need to talk to right you know because right, exactly. i know mick probably thought because we were a pretty busy new york recording horn section he probably thought we didn't want to go on the road ah, okay man then i find out who some of the horn guys are mostly new york guys they were paying 52 Hundred dollars a week. What? Five thousand two hundred dollars a week. That's not individually, is it? Yes. <laughs> Each one guy was making that. R and B bands at the time, and I ain't gonna name no names because I don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> they were paying mm -hmm. between twelve and fifteen hundred. Wow. A week. Wow. And some of them, if they could get them young horn guys, 
they was giving them jokers seven fifty, seven hundred and fifty dollars a week. Unbelievable. To and go on tour. Yeah, to go on tour. And I mean, the the in in the eighties when we went out with the mm. police, we were making over a thousand and close to. I think on when we got going, it was like almost eighteen hundred a week. Wow. You know, and that was in 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 early eighties. Now we're talking, you know, 10, 15 years later. Right. And, yeah. But yeah. how does that work if a person is in the uh, the union, right? So, like you said, somebody was getting paid seven fifty. But what, what was the union scale? Were they getting paid below union scale? How did that work? They would find non-union players. Ah, I see. I see. And there, and there was... And there was no shortage. There was no shortage of, of non-union players. Look, when you when, when you said about you know young guys that they were that they were paying that right. paying that money. Right. Number one, uh, for them, they, they didn't have any any real experience. They were they they could uh, and the only thing the only the only parts that they could really play are parts that any high school yeah uh, player could play. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and with um, uh, and with a lot of a lot of music. Um, and unfortunately, R and B was like that. With a lot of with, with a lot of that, you know, they they don't. There's a lot of R and B uh, artists that really they don't really know how to incorporate horns into their sound. Okay. So you know, they say, okay, do a hit here, bow, you know, bow, you know. I mean, yeah, the, the I, first I, thing, I, the yeah. first recording, the first recording that we did, well, it was it was Keisha Cole's first recording, right. and Alicia produced it, and she, you know, she had us, she had us playing. Okay. All we did was like one note. I think it was like one one note for the, the whole song. Just it bow, and that, and that was it. And the dudes in in the um in the control booth with Alicia, who were friends of Keisha Cole's, they had never seen a trombone before. They <laughs> lost their mind. When the trombone, went, yeah. They whoa, what is that? Right. right. I mean, they literally lost their minds, and yeah. I'm not kidding. Holy Hannah, these dudes don't know what a trombone is, so. I mean, yeah. now for what they do, cutting records as far as this uh, the DJ thing where you gotta cut this part and rhythmically you gotta be you gotta know your rhythm. Right. I mean, they had a certain kind of uh, efficient musicality, right? But it has nothing to do with acoustic instruments. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's it also brings to mind when we recorded uh, a Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Right. It uh, was produced by Keith and Hank Shockley. And when, when we went in there, um, uh, it, it was for a tune called I Ain't Mad at All. Okay. You know, that's, that, that was, uh, How does he remember this? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, the album was music in, music in our mess, mess age, M E S S A G E. Anyway. You got good memory. <laughs> yeah, man. Do you know how many recording sessions we've done? It's got to be a thousand. Uh, that much, really? Easy. Wow. Uh, easy. We've been together thirty years. Thirty years, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I've I've written hundreds of arrangements, and and and, and this is, and this that's just this. I've written, I've had hundreds of, and that's just the stuff that I have on computer. But when we, this is before computers, when right. I was doing it all by hand. Wow, you know, wow. You know, <laughs> I was going to say about Public Enemy mm -hmm. that when we went in there, they had never used they had never used horns before. They say they they, they you know the Shockley Brothers they. Never used horns before, right. and so I said, "Okay, well, uh, this." So we said, "Well, well, what do you, you know, what do you want? What do you want?" And um, they said, "I don't know, play something." 
you know. So they just played the track, and we just played, we just you know played what what came to naturally, you know what what we thought, you know. Right. Yeah, it was a head, what we call a head arrangement. Yeah, right, the head arrangement, right, exactly. And um, and I said, yeah, 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 okay. I mean, they they like it, but the point the point is that mm -hmm. you know we're saying about you know I you know these producers, you know a lot of you know young producers, they don't they don't really. You know they're not experienced with horns. They don't really know what to, what to, you know you know what what to do. They right. you know they'll, they'll, they'll they'll maybe have some ideas after they hear you what you put down like let right. me play. But off the top of their head, when they're listening, they 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 don't have a con they don't have a concept of. Mm. I mean, it doesn't make them bad people. It's just right. Well, you know, it's <laughs> only person like that that we've worked for that had some musicality. Had never used horns was Alicia Keys. Mm, okay, she brought three of us in the studio to do a song for Chris Christine Aguilera. She was producing a song on Christine. Yeah, okay, impossible. impossible. Was that was the song. song. Yeah, impossible. Okay, yeah. I don't remember the name of the album. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the three of us in this high high class studio in New York. You right. know, Alicia is the best, mm -hmm. and we're in there and. She's letting the track play, and um, then what she did was she put on some Aretha, and she said, "You hear how those horns sound? That's that's kind of what I'm looking for." Okay. So we make up some little parts, and one thing I always loved about her was she she was so diplomatic. We made up some parts. She said, "You know, that's really nice, but it's too busy for me." Okay. Mm. So once. We made up some parts. She put on a, 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 a Aretha. This gave her time right. to kind of get a vibe. And once girlfriend keyed in on a vibe, yeah. she said, I want you to play this, you play this, just, and that, that, and she'd hum it, and we'd play it. She didn't use anything that we came up with. She developed a horn arrangement on the spot. Wow. With Hour and had never used horns before. Impossible. Incredible. Wow. And that was when I knew this girl is yeah. going to be around for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. she had the musicality. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on a lot of the stuff uh, that made her record uh, records, mm -hmm. uh, Ray Chu did a good amount of the arranging and at some point she did let us. And on... Um, the one song that we did with her help, uh, some people want it all. Yeah, if I got you. If, if, I, ain't got if you. I ain't got you. You guys played on that? Yeah. yeah. Nice. And, and okay. You, you hear that you hear that baritone sax, that old con. Yes, yes. Shut up, jump. Yes. It's a great so, song. Great song. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the ones that she kind of but all everyone, including her, okay, they use horns almost like strings as what I call sweetening after the track is done. Okay. Or coloring. You know, they use us for colors. They didn't use us as part of the meat of the track. And us being the horn players we are, you know, we, we can't like what is this? Baby. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Give us a little potatoes and two string beans. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not how that's not how uh, musically uh, musically we were brought up. Now, mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, well, 
I mean, I, I, I was brought up on Ellington and Basie, and that's what I heard when I was like eight years old. And that's what I, that's my basis thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dave, Dave, well, Dave and I brought up, you know, the Kuna gang. Yeah. You know, these. Blood, had, sweat, and tears. Robert, yeah, Kuh, had, Robert Kubel was on the show, and I had recently had T.S. Monk, the Loneliness Monk, uh, the third. He was on here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You know, that brought up something I want to say. Absolutely. Go, I don't want to forget. Go for it. Uh, we just did a song for the Miles Davis electric brand. Really? Yeah. Vince, the drummer, is the band leader now. And he's he's uh, Miles Davis's nephew. Yeah. Nice. Will, uh, Vince, Wilburn, Will, Vince Wilburn Jr. Because he's, he's, um, he's the uh, uh, Miles' sister's son. Okay. They were in the studio recording a kind of a funk song. It was just about done. Lenny Lenny White yes, producer, was yeah. producing the song. Wow. They're here in Jersey. Lenny's from Jersey. Yeah. And you get to the end of the song. Lenny says to the engineer, he says, man, I could kind of use maybe some James Brown horns on this. The engineer's <laughs> like, but the song is done. You got horn players from L.A. already all over this. Right, so right. He said, yeah. He said, but if you want horns, I got the guys. And Rick Keller, right? Yeah, Rich. Rich Keller. Okay. Rich Keller mm -hmm. My head, Rich. He called us up and said, you know, this is what they want. Da -da 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 -da. Okay. Daryl threw together an arrangement. Um, and I personally thought <laughs> that it was too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he heard this stuff and was loving it. He said, oh, man, I thought you guys... We're gonna give me uh like that C win. What's the other man? Snarky puppy. Snarky puppy. I thought you were gonna give me that, right. and that's not what I'm looking for. I was looking for the real funk. Right. And, you know, that's he. Come on, funk it down. That's what he did. Yeah. What? So he gave him the funk. I played little Barry. We brought in uh Freddie Hendricks, who's our first call trumpet player. Nice. And we smashed it. Now, you know, it's in production, so we don't know. Like we said earlier. Yeah. Comes out, we'll see how much you hear. <laughs> Rich Keller, he, he's the engineer. He was okay. engineering. This. Okay. Yeah. And we we knew him from because we've done stuff for him before. So that's nice. what he, he knew. And that was something else I've done too throughout our career. I befriend the engineers. Yeah. Smart. You know, smart. You know, we, you know, because back then weed was big, and not that we were big smokers, but I find somebody that could sell me some weed so I could bring it to the studio. Yeah. yeah. And I get, <laughs> Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's legal now, so they get their own. <laughs> but you know, but you know, one of the, one of the things uh, that's that's also notable is that some of the, the best uh, gigs that we've gotten were gotten because of the relationships that Dave was talking about. Right. Because I mean, but with, with Alicia, we didn't know anybody in Alicia's camp. Okay. We didn't. But it's just that we're, we were at the time we were working with Ray Chu at the Apollo, I and mean, he was the musical director at the Apollo. Okay, working with him, and he was part of Alicia's production team. You know, even when she had her first record deal and all that. So because of us working with him, he asked us, "Well, Alicia wants horns. You guys want the gig, right? The police gig. We didn't know anybody in the police organization, but uh, the saxophone player named Frank Elmo, who was playing with Julian Lennon at the time." Mm -hmm. We had done we had done sessions and Frank came in to, to do some solos. Okay. Right. Now we we hadn't met Frank, but
but he heard what we did on the recording, and he knew Jeff Seitz, who was Stuart Copeland's drum roadie. Drum roadie. That relationship right. is important, man. It's important to build that. Yeah, it's very important. So, uh, so Jeff mentions that Frank, the police are looking for a, a, a horn section. So Frank said, you know, I heard some guys on a recording. Wait, wait, said, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let me cut in. I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah you ahead. know, you yeah. know, I'm the racist guy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> My father's name was a Calcian ghost. <laughs> so I do black history since I was eight years old. Okay. <laughs> so Frank said, mm -hmm. "Oh, I, I put some guys together," mm -hmm. and Jeff said, "No, nah, they're, they're looking for a black horn section." Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Frank's feelings got hurt, right. but. They knew James Brown. You know what I'm saying? Wow. They man. was looking for that sound. They yeah. they weren't they weren't looking for uh blood, sweat, and tears. Right. They was looking for the funk. So grudgingly, Frank had to find out who we were. And I had befriended the engineer at the small studio yeah. in Patterson. Yeah, Glenn wow. Glenn Taylor? He remembers He remembers everything. everything. <laughs> no. I had befriended him, yeah. left him. Number, he calls me up and said, the police looking for horns. I said, what? Who? Unbelievable. We, we didn't do any. He said, no, the group, the police. I, I thought he was talking about... The Popo. Yeah, Popo was <laughs> for us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> song I knew was Voices Inside My Head. Right, right. That, like on BLS. Yeah. Crossover hit for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was it like? What was it like working for the police? Oh, well, first of all, um, they were all scholarly guys. You know, they weren't them rock and roll dudes that hung around, you know, sniffing coke and smoking weed mm -hmm. and just throwing women up in the air. Mm -hmm. They were about education. They okay. were all freaking brilliant. And, wow. and no, but this was the, the whole thing about a black horn section was a marketing tool. Ah. Because the songs were about universality and people getting along and all of that. And the point was, they see black, three black guys, three white guys up there on stage. It just looked good. It was just from a marketing perspective. Sure, <laughs> sure. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's very true. Um, and if you look, look at some of the, the, the lyrics on their songs, mm -hmm. Sting was like a poet. He was an ex-English teacher, by the way. Wow. Uh, so that's how, you know, their, their lyrics and stuff laid in. And Andy... You know, he we we called him the prince. Yeah, the prince. We called him the prince. <laughs> he was a little princely. Yo, my room color is wrong. I'm going to take the train. You guys take the plane. I'm going to take the train so I can see the mountain. He was one of them dudes. Um, but he was a heck of a photographer too. Yeah. yeah. But the stuff that he played, mm -hmm. nobody was doing what Andy was doing. Wow. Nobody, wow. because. Like Daryl talked about the organ trio, mm -hmm. Andy had all that freedom because there were no other choral instruments in the band. Uh, and it was only three of them. And they would put out so much sound. So we get to the rehearsal and I'm right. looking, freaking Sting had these organ shaped like bass pedals. So he'd hit a pedal and two notes would sound. And then mm. he'd play, damn, then I'm looking over at Andy he got so many pedals, man. I had to stop counting. <laughs> I thought he had three legs there one time. Then he hit something else and he hit an echo. Then he played this chord. Right. And that chord, though, then he'd go somewhere else on the axe. Okay. Play something else. 
that would mix with what he had already put on like a repeater thing. Yeah, yeah, Man. incredible. Wow. The colors, the colors that he was getting out of his guitar, no no guitar player was, was doing it. And Stuart Copeland was playing some unorthodox fills and breaks and hits. And you wonder why? He never had a drum lesson. Really? This He was a natural drummer. So... Mm. He didn't have anybody telling him, okay, this is where one is. Oh, you got to crash on two. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, whatever I want to do. Wow. And wow. Um, he also worked out uh, with a delay on his bass drum. Okay. Yeah, he hit the bass drum and you hear boom, boom. And he had the time into that song down so well it sounded like he had a double bass drum he was playing so much music now we do know a drummer dennis chambers <laughs> that he didn't need that go that dude could do all of that with one foot that's, the best that's incredible in the world but i that's another com. that's another uh, another time we're gonna have to we go gonna, yeah we're gonna have another part absolutely man you guys got great yeah, stories. what i what i want to ask you i want to ask you guys is um, you know, both of us, we know Hubert Eves the fourth, and I yeah. would love to know because I've I've worked with Hub in the past before. What was your experience working with Hubert Eves the fourth? Because he's an incredible musician. Well, we met him, uh, and he was playing drums mm -hmm. in, in a wedding band situation. Okay, and the the leader that hired us knew that we had this original side to us, right? So he asked us, he said, you know, I don't want to sound like everybody else. Can y'all soup up some of these songs and put some of your stuff in it? Yeah. You know, I saw Daryl do one of these. Because, <laughs> you know, wedding band, wedding bands are very, you know, they're, they're, they're funny. You know, they don't want originality. Nah, you play this just like the record, exactly like right. the record. And no, no additions, no nothing, you know. Right, right. That's yeah. So <laughs> Daryl did his thing. We come to the first, I don't even know, it was a gig, probably not even a rehearsal. And we throwing in all of this chop stuff. And the trumpet player, Joe Romano, who had been under our wing for maybe 10 years by, by now, mm -hmm. uh, he had really gotten our vibe down. And uh, of course, Joe Romano and Jeff Dieterle were the two cats that we started using once we came back together after we got a little defunct. Yeah. Uh, for years, Darren went to UPS. I went into teaching. Okay. All right. So Hubert is the drummer on the gig. Yeah. And he's hearing all of this horn stuff. By the third gig, I kid you not, Hubert was catching yeah. all these little hits of stuff that we were doing. Right. I was like, man, what you doing? <laughs> man, I'm loving this stuff. <laughs> uh, and we just we just became good friends after that. Yeah. And the longer we got to know him. Then we found out that the brother played bass. Oh yeah, he's a he's a mean bass player, know. man. Yeah, we didn't know his history about all the people he worked with. Yeah. <clears throat> and once we figured all that out, man. and he said, you know, I'm working on some tunes. Mm -hmm. We said, well, we're we're here for you. And and um, the first single, yeah, radio, radio, radio. Yeah, radio was. I, I love that song, man. Ah. Uh, I play an alto sax solo in the beginning of it, and I never play alto. I always, because Daryl's played so long, mm -hmm. I never bring, I never play it. I just play tenor, barry, and flute. Daryl plays alto and soprano. Right. Um, I 
Don't even remember why, but I went, oh, I went in to overdub some bass clarinet. And Hubert wasn't hearing it. He said, well, bass clarinet. But you know what? He was always diplomatic. He said, right. bring it. Let's see how it turns out. Right. All right. I bring it and play it. Once he hears it, he kind of likes it. If you <laughs> yeah. ask him today, right. he'll tell you. And I wish I would have mixed that bass clarinet louder in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so I bring the alto. Right. And I start, he says, man, come on, give me a solo. I said, you know, I'm the tenor guy. He says, I know, but you know, hey, what, what? We're at his house. Yeah. So I'm playing, and he's kind of feeling it. And then I started feeling it. And he starts saying, well, give me a little more of this, a little less of that. And it is, I don't want to say my debut alto solo, but I haven't played an alto solo in a long time. Okay. And it was one of the best I've played, you know? That was a great song. Yeah. Producing skills. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's you a beast. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He that was a great I love that song radio. And his new song is uh, incredible, Da Da. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. yeah. We're not on that one, but he's got two, I think, one or two in the can that yes. we did. Yeah. And yeah, it's one it was one of one of them, uh uh one of them is, is one with just just bass and horns. Hmm. Uh, that's that's in the can. I you know I I don't know I don't know when exactly he's gonna get to you know get to mixing it. I mean it's it's finished recording wise, but sure. you know you still got to mix it. That and that's interesting. That's an interesting combination. My fingertips are still hurting from that. <laughs> wait wait, it's just just bass and horns, just bass and horns. I I wrote the I wrote the arrangement and <laughs> the uh, they said it was hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard on him. But. The baritone sax stuff was all over the place. Yeah. And I've been working with this guy, so I kind of got a vibe of his hard stuff. Right, right. But he took it to another level on mm. that. No, because since it's just bass and horns, there are no other chordal instruments going on. I'm I'm I I so I had to expand expand the horn thing to to, to make it because you know I mean I, I've written big band arrangements with you know like five saxes and that. Sure. Uh, so what? I, so what? I basically what I had to do was to have four. We got four horns, right? So you know, I, basically, I had to expand the sound just, since there's no chordal instruments. Right. I had to expand it. You know, expand it. So you know, I had to. I had to cover. I had to cover all the bases. So you know, that's that's how I covered nice, all the bases. Nice. Well, well, on the next podcast, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you got to come back, we, man. We will get into. The whole um, Sugar Hill stuff. Yeah. Um, we'll, mm. we'll talk more about the Alicia tour. Mm. We'll talk about Jennifer Hudson working with her. Um, and we'll talk about the wealth or, or variety of musicians that came through our life thanks to Ray Chu. Yeah. Okay. And um, I can touch, touch on my original project. Okay. That sounds like a plan. Just to give you a little hint, yeah, I I mentioned uh, Ubert produced my single. Yes, yes, and it's 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 a song that's a tribute to Marvin Gaye. So I entitled it Marvin Stay. A uh, nice. good friend of mine, Alfred um, uh, Adams, mm -hmm. he wrote the rhythm track. I I wrote and played all of the horns except for trumpet. Uh, Ubert. Did all the drums and bass. Okay. 
And you also did the arrangement of, okay, we're going to, this is going to be this long, that long. Um, I brought in a friend um, to, to do some rap on the end, uh, Nico. Okay. Um, and I'm going to have to have two versions because Smooth Jazz will not play it with that rap. Mm, on it. Okay. And I'm playing flute. And it's and the, the project is going to be entitled Tip My Hat. So I'm tipping Thanks. my hat to musicians that I've loved and I've worked with. Um, I got a gospel song in the work. Okay. Because, you know, Savoy Records, we did all of that. Okay. Uh, um, I got a police song that Freddie Hendrix is going to arrange jazz style. And we're, we're going to use some of the heaviest Jersey jazz cats for okay. that. Uh -huh. um, I, I want to do an acoustic version of one of Alicia's songs. You know, people that we've worked with through the years, Absolutely. and at some point, oh, J.D., J.D. Blair from... Uh, yeah, he, he, was with, he was with Shania Twain for a, a, a long time. Mm -hmm. he, he's from Tennessee. From, yeah. Okay. Killer Drum. He wrote a song, and that's kind of, I'm tipping my hat to the rap stuff that we did. Okay. So I'm working on, you know, five or six songs. Um, but the problem I have is that, mm -hmm. you know, I seem like a very outgoing kind of guy, uh, but I've always had um, security in numbers playing with other horn players. Stepping out on my own, man, I, f I feel like a 250-pound dude walking on some ice over the rim. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of an analogy. <laughs> And I'm here, I'm yeah, here yeah. stuff cracking. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to get wet. <laughs> I'm just afraid. Nah, but I'm both of you guys have great spirits. And that's why you've been around so long. You see, it, it, it's just it's just what it is, man. I mean, you got it. You've been doing it a long time. You've been around and, and played with everybody. So that's the that's the biggest feat, you know. It's going out solo is just like, you know what, let me just do this. Well, I'm from from your from your mouth to my ear. That's right. I'm scurred, and I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you know, I, I I'll say this this one thing about uh well somewhat about what, what Dave was talking about. Yeah, I've had a lot of young musicians that right. that come that come to me and say, well, listen, you know what? Um, there's so much competition out there. I mean, how am I? You know, what am I? You know, how am I, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to make it? That's, and I and I say, well, you know. The way that I look at it mm -hmm. is that really there is no competition because as if you look, if you go up on set, like if you name any any music any musician that you that you that that you, that you love, right? Okay, let's say okay Herbie Hancock, okay young piano player, right? Yeah. Loves Herbie Hancock, right? Considers him a mentor. Now and he and he has a chance to go up on stage and play with Herbie Hancock, right? Then the first thing that that this young kid is going to think, oh man, so he's going to eat me alive. Yeah. You know how, how am I gonna how am I gonna stand up to Herbie Hancock? Right. And listen, Herbie, does it, you have a 50-50 chance of of uh, of impressing your audience, just like Herbie Hancock has a fifty-fifty chance too. I mean, he has his his he's been out there yet. Absolutely. You yeah. know? But you have just as much chance of reaching of reaching your audience of reaching that audience as he does. He does. The only advantage he has over you is is his name. That's, that's and, right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Right, right, and and so okay, and he's accepted, and people are going to accept him, yes. But you have just as much chance because number one, 
he's he's not going to do what you're going to do. Right. And number two, you're not going to do what he's going to do. Absolutely. So, yeah. the whole, so the whole thing is, so basically the bottom line is you have to, you have to do you, you have to play the play <coughs> the way that the way that you play, you right. know, you can't, you know, you yeah. can't worry. You can't worry about what they're yeah. doing because they're, they're not, they're, believe me, they're not they going to come. They're worried about you. Then, right, exactly. That's right. They're not coming to your <laughs> That's right. They're yeah. not. Well, you got that right. Yeah. No, my dad played saxophone and he would always say, you know, Dave, you can only do what you do. Right. And it took me to get to this age, mm -hmm. kind of realize I'm gonna do what I do. It's like the highway. Every like, it's like the highway. You got a fast lane, you got the truck lane in the middle, and you got the slow lane. And yeah. once you know your lane, you're good to go. That's all it is. Yeah. I think I'm starting to get to that because mm -hmm. Ray called me uh, when he was doing this Macy's thing. Yeah, and he said I want to do Living in America. Nice, okay. nice. And he said I want you to be James Brown. I said what? He said, I want you to I want you to do what James says. Listen to the record and listen Man. to James. And I want you to base your solo around James Brown. Man. And I was uh, a little taken back. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I, that dad was in my ear, son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can do. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. So. I've gotten to the age where I know how to, to, to work on my strengths. Mm -hmm. So I took it four bars at a time. I made up my little lick. Then I went back and I doubled, played over what I played exactly. Right. So he'd have two horns playing the one line. He nice. that back, sure. which I learned from Sam Peaks, that was the sax player for uh, Evelyn Champagne King. Mm -hmm. um, so... I put together my little thing and Ray listen. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 deep, man. <laughs> All right, so brother Dave Watson and brother Daryl yes, Dixon. Yes. Yes, yes. What's next for you guys, man? I know you guys got a lot. I know you just mentioned a, a whole slew of things, but we definitely got to talk about the next podcast. We definitely got to talk about all the great things because your your career is so long. We may need three podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, like I, mm -hmm. like I mentioned before, yeah. you know, I'm working on a solo project. Yes. Uh, Daryl's doing some songs just for himself, but he doesn't realize that once they're done, I'm going to sneak one of his records on my record. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we, we got sessions lined up. Um, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy Morgan, believe okay. it or not, is a great singer. And he does some stuff okay. for his own, his own library. Uh, and I've had the pleasure of doing strings and horns for him. Okay. And I. I'm on about maybe song 14. He's done a bunch of stuff. Wow. Um, so we got a lot of things working. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I will I, thank you guys for, for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for helping out so many young brothers and sisters out here that want to get into the music business or crack into it some shape, form, or fashion, but don't know how. But learning from the legends like you two guys, man, it's just you just took it to a whole nother level. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. We didn't we didn't plan on talking for over an hour. Hey, man, but listen. I'm hoping 
I told you when I told you when we started, man. The floor is yours. There's no we ain't got no time limit, man. When you when you on them other channels, I tell you, you get three. If you're lucky, you get five minutes. But here we good. So you can even come back. We we'll talk about some more stuff. Talk about some more career thing that you guys are working on, and just keep pushing it, man. Keep pushing. It. I love it. Thank you. So but I much appreciate for you guys, man. Hold on one second, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you.